You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers behind the scenes. This week, we're going into number two in our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise. So, Matt, introduce. What do we watch? We're watching The Secret of the Ooze, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Look who's back. Michelangelo. You dudes want to play too? Around the world! Donatello. Yeah! Leonardo. Hey! Raphael. Yeah! All the good ones had to know. <laughs> hey, Mike, you think you could punch any louder? I can still hear out of this one. Any luck finding a new place to live yet? Uh, and I thought all the really good dungeons were in Europe. Yeah! I just like to say hello. Would you give me that one? No, come on, give it back. Shredder. Whoa. The past returns, my son. That's the canister that had the ooze. That transformed us all. Well, you're the last one, aren't you? He's got the canister. Get it! Wow! Get him! Hey, Mike. Search up, dude. It's one for all. You take the ugly one. No, you take the ugly one. Which one's the ugly one? And all for... Pizza? Hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. The Secret of the Ooze. Cowabunga. It's a new turtle movie, dog. One year later, after the release of the original, still a cultural sensation the Ninja Turtles. Uh, with this time, we get a second one that feels kind of more in line with the cartoon and the toys and the lunchboxes and the backpacks and the franchising of the series. The This movie, in the best way possible, I mean this not in a negative way at all, is one big toy commercial. <laughs> yeah, Gone is the Frank Miller-inspired like look. This is definitely just concentrating on the 87 cartoon look. Absolutely. This is a cartoon come to life. So uh, I've heard people tell me that they prefer this one over the original. And then obviously I've heard people that love the original sort of the most. Um, And I think it just comes from the fact that, yeah, some people just kind of love this cartoon aesthetic. And then some people like more the dark kind of like the original comic books that the first movie kind of holds on to a little bit. Yeah, I mean, this was, you know, responding to the backlash of parents getting pretty pissed that the first movie was so violent, so dark, and Raphael's walking around yelling damn the whole time, and I guarantee you parents had to put up with that. Absolutely. (laughs) Little seven-year-olds walking around the house being like, damn, damn. (laughs) Plus, you actually had, you know, Jim Henson passed away right after the first film was, I think the first film came out in March of 1990. 
This one came out uh, just a year. What a turnaround. And so they dedicated the film to Jim Henson, and he didn't like the violence of the first one. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that kind of like came together to produce a Three Stooges-esque toy commercial that is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze. That's fine when I was a kid. I do have a different opinion of this movie after watching it as an adult. We watched it at one of your movie nights, but I don't remember much of it from the movie night because it was right after eating and it was like one of those movies that a lot of people were talking yeah, it was, it was right after we had rode the high of uh, Voyage of the Rock Aliens and Mamma Mia 2. So, you know, it's hard to follow those two up. Uh, Ninja Turtles <laughs> was just kind of the palate cleanser uh, after those two. <laughs> yeah, and it was perfect because it was one of these films that a lot of people were closer to what I did and probably what you did is like watch this a hundred times as a kid. So you don't really need to watch it. You just know it. Yeah, and this was one that... When I revisited, you know, around the time that I did that movie night, I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. But upon watching it, I was like, oh, my God, I watch this all the time as a kid. And then like went 20 years without ever watching a frame of it and then finally watching it again. And now since the movie night, I've watched it two more times. And I'm like, I'm it's 1991 again. (laughs) We watched this so much as kids. We watched this one more than the first one. And this reminds me of Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back comparisons. Because when I was a kid, we watched a ton of Return of the Jedi. And when I was a kid, we watched Secret of the Ooze a lot. But the older I got, you know, I started watching Empire Strikes Back or New Hope, mostly Empire. When I got older and going through college and maturing and all that and appreciating that one more. Same thing with this. After watching them back to back, I appreciate the first one a lot more because of the risk that they didn't even know they were taking. I mean, they were taking a risk just making a movie based on four giant turtle puppets running around and fighting. When you've got nothing to lose, you know, you could just, you know, bet the whole, bet everything you got then, you know? This one feels like there's more riding on this. This is, now we're talking about franchisability. We're talking about how many more of these things can we make and... You know, now we've got a toy line that's coming out that's focused on the movie. You know, like this one's got more writing on it. So they could they could take the more risks that they were able to take with the first kind of independent, independently made first one. And now now you've got the kind of corporatized second one here. Too many people were scared of how this would affect their sales. But there was so much selling. Like, are you only concentrating on the toys or are we concentrating on the lunch boxes, the, the clothing line, the animation? Like there was so much that they were worried about after the backlash of the first one that you are right. This is definitely where people who have no business in the writing room are in the writing room. They have no sense of humor. It's just one giant dollar sign. Well, it sounds like, see, I didn't know too much about the making of this movie. I really didn't know any behind the scenes. You were texting me some things and it does sound like it was a situation where there were a lot of cooks in the kitchen and there were a lot of money people they had to make happy with this one. Yeah, and you also had the writer returning from the first movie, but there needs to be an asterisk next to that. The original writer of the screenplay, the first one, he, he more like came up with the story and they really liked it. Playmate Toys and a bunch of the investors that they got together, along with Golden Harvest Productions, you know, which is doing more of the kung fu and fighting aspects of this film. You got the first writer coming back. 
So a lot of times you're like, oh, awesome. That makes so much sense. But he's the guy who punched up the first script. He made it more kid friendly. And consider that the, he made the first one more kid friendly. Imagine what the original outline or script was. So let's look at this tape. Because if you're a kid, you're walking down the aisle and somehow you didn't watch this in the theater. I'm sorry for all those kids. Uh, because you missed one hell of a treat. Because when you were a kid, this was crack. This was my crack on uh, video. I did miss this in theaters because I was too young when it came out in theaters. I was like one. But by the time this was playing on like the pay-per-views or the HBOs or whatever, that's that, that was about the time I got to see it. So about 92-ish. Uh, and that's when I, this was on heavy repeat in my house. I remember just like going to kids' houses that like I'd never hang out with. I, I do have a short story. This one kid's like, yeah, yeah, I got the new Turtles movie. You want to come over and watch it? And I was like, well, we already own it. Okay, I'll come over and watch it and just hang out with you guys. So this was a kid that I didn't hang out with much. His mom came over to our house. I got inside the car and we were driving over and he pulled the tape out of his backpack. And I looked at it. And do you remember when they came out with the making of the turtle? No, no, no. It might have been. I can't remember if it was the musical or the making. Yeah, there's the tape because uh, I've totally seen it. That's the making of the coming out of their shells tour. And anyway, he pulled one of those two tapes out of his backpack. And I immediately was never friends with that kid again because he didn't even know that he got the wrong video. <laughs> and you were just like, how dare you <laughs> <laughs> say, how dare you waste my time? <laughs> I have the video at my house, but now your mom's already started driving. And I think it would be rude to have her turn around so I could grab our tape so we can actually hang out and watch the turtles. You know, the secret of the ooze. What is wrong with you, kid? Now, that's not really why I wasn't friends with him afterwards, but that's part of it. <laughs> Dude, you need an education in turtleology. And, you know, stop being a liar. <laughs> but I guess that is kind of how we were growing up. It was just like, here's a new whatever thing you like. I don't know what number it is. I don't know. It's Return of Jafar. Enjoy it. You like the first one? <laughs> You did your chores and we want some quiet time. So here's some shit. Shove it in your kid head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Looking at this tape, we still got, you know, not as big bold letters, but we've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 on the front. Uh, all in green. This is definitely, you know, a lighter fill. First of all, the slipcover's white. The last one was black. <laughs> so they're already changing the tone. Uh, we've got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles all in their fighting stance, sort of, in the number two with the ooze canister broken open at the bottom with Michelangelo pointing at it. Done. This is it. I don't even have to read the bottom. As a kid, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm in. Like probably a lot of 80s, 90s boys growing up. I loved like ooze and slime and potions and goop and it, like anything just like viscous and gross <laughs> and i'm just like and they're like secret of the ooze and i'm like there's gonna be ooze involved in this story take my money please <laughs> yeah it just reminds me of all the stuff in nickelodeon where they're always trying to gross you out as a kid you know and the same thing with like ren and stimpy all these things like when you're a teenage boy is awesome yeah, it's like the, the Nickelodeon and then like Tim Burton's Batman, you know, with the Joker falling into the vat. You know, it's all it's all connected. And I loved all that stuff. So I think the ooze being central focus on this cover 
was a big hook for me and particularly as as a non sort of Turtles fan, too, because if you guys have listened to the last episode we did, I mentioned that I never watched the cartoon. I have seen some episodes, but I don't even know the Turtles by name. Usually I always forget which one's which. I'm not a Turtle super fan, but I watched this movie over and over and over again. <laughs> How couldn't you? I mean, except that one kid who I wasn't friends with anymore. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> don't even remember the guy's name. Wow. Definitely started with a D, though. David, maybe? I don't know. Oh, uh, long time ago. I'm almost 40. Brain, gone. <laughs> Cowabunga, it's a new Turtles movie. And then we move over to the back. We've got quotes at the top that you can barely read because they're using black font over a dark blue shadow at the ceiling. Uh, So that wasn't well thought out. But here we go. They came. They saw. They cowabunga'd. Jane Blanchard from the journal. The journal. Okay. I don't know what that is. I'm sure it's (laughs) something. Better than the first, A-10. The Washington Post. No name on that. Yeah, no shit, because that quote was bought. Yeah, or it's like a write to the letter to the editor or something like that. <laughs> Probably from a kid. They're like, well, we don't want to put like Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy from down the street gave it a 10. <laughs> First of all, it doesn't have, like the entire background at the top. It like fades so you can read the description, but it has the turtles jumping when they were in the very beginning of the film or the TGRI fight. I don't quite know, but it's really cool. For a kid to look at. Then you've got three production stills here. We've got Raphael fighting. What it looks like he's fighting with Kino. But when you watch the film. That's actually when they were attacked by the Foot Clan. We've got Splinter with a can of mutagen. Or ooze. That says TGRI. So that was fun as a kid. Trying to figure that out. Like who's TGRI? What is this? Because (laughs) they don't have it on the canister of ooze. In the front. Mm-hmm. And then you've got two monsters, Toka and Razar, at the bottom one. If you were a kid renting this and you didn't see it in the theater and somehow it wasn't spoiled from the kids on the playground, which seems impossible. But anyway, if you didn't see this, you get to see two new monsters, which would probably blow your mind and make you rent the film. If you, But at that point, if you were still on the uh, cusp of like, should I rent this? You probably have brain damage. I mean, every kid was into this. This is the pinnacle of the Turtles reaching, yeah, everyone. Teens, young kids. It had The, the show had started in 87, so it had had sort of four years of this rising popularity. I really feel like the second movie is the pinnacle of, like, super Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fandom. The description here. Those heroes on the half shell are back in an all-new movie adventure. Find out the secret of the ooze as our fearsome foursome go after the glowing canister that has slipped into the hands of the evil Shredder and his mutant allies. Razar and Toka, which they flip the names there, it's always Toka and Razar. Razar and Toka? No, that's not right. <laughs> Aided by their new pal, Kino, the turtles dive into action, dot dot dot, and pizza. <laughs> Powered by a hot soundtrack featuring Vanilla Ice's Ninja Rap, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, is sure to delight both kids and adults in this turtle-rific screen classic. And then we've got all the people who are part of it. Golden Harvest, New Line Cinema, New Line Home Video, blah, blah, blah. And uh, RCA, Columbia Pictures Home Video. I noticed that too. Yeah, they put out all the original New Line tapes before New Line went off on their own. 
Yeah, that's why I always remember that from all these like mid 80s to late 80s, a little bit into the 90s new line movies. Yeah, no, I remember also like on the flip side of that, like anytime I would rent like just a Columbia TriStar movie, there would always be like a trailer for a new line thing on the tape because they distributed the tapes. Because I remember, I don't remember what Sony movie it was that I rented, but then I remember the trailer for Freddy's Dead being on there and being like, oh shit, new Freddy movie. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I remember that connection between those two studios. So let's pop this tape in and see what kind of trailers we got. Now available on video and DVD. So it starts off with a Burger King Kids Club commercial. One kid's meal. Please? Right away. Gone is Pizza Hut, and I don't know why. I have a theory that Burger King probably bought the rights to put toys of the turtles in their, like, quote-unquote, Happy Meal. But I don't know that. I, I really don't remember. I don't, yeah, I don't remember, like, if they had the, the toys, but I remember these commercials. I remember the kid, the Burger King Kids Club commercials. Yeah, with the animated... 90s kid everybody i knew was a mcdonald's kid but i was a burger king kid so all these like boxes and the 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 cups and stuff with the old burger king logo and the neon designs and stuff like that very familiar to me because this was this was my fast food that i liked a lot when i was this age my opinion on what type of kid you were is always what restaurant your parent was who was driving you home passed the most so if you passed a Burger King, most likely you were getting Burger King. If you passed McDonald's, you're getting McDonald's and Taco Bell and so on. The the one poor kid who's just like, well, we always pass Arby's. Sorry, dude. That sucks. Sorry, dude. You can't hang. <laughs> the normies let me hang because I'm still pretty mainstream with BK, but you're too off the beaten path, Arby's kid. You're too yeah. weird. <laughs> you don't have any toys. Yeah, you don't get toys with your stuff. Even the Wendy's kid gets stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I know. You're like way down there. We'll let the Taco Bell kid uh, hang out because, you know, sometimes we want some tacos, but uh, we don't want your roast beef. Yeah, get that gross stuff out of here. What are you, 90? (laughs) (laughs) You must have been homeschooled. (laughs) Yeah, the Arby's kid absolutely was homeschooled. (laughs) Uh, Second trailer. Well, I guess the first trailer we got was Suburban Commando, which basically is known for two things. Hulk Hogan running around in a sci-fi suit and Christopher Lloyd yelling, I was frozen today. (laughs) I love this movie. I adore this movie. I think this is a hidden gem. I think it's my favorite Hulk Hogan movie. And I just, I think it's so fun. It's like, it's good sci-fi. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd is hilarious in it. And yeah. And the Undertaker's in it too. He's like one of the villains that goes after Hulk Hogan in it. So it's kind of wrestling tied. Uh, yeah, I like this one. You know what we're going to do to you? Like, You're going to pound my face in. What are you, nuts? This is the 90s. We're going to sue you. <laughs> my brothers and I use that line occasionally. Uh, not much because it just was nowhere near as cool as anything else that like Bart Simpson said or whatever or the Turtles. Uh, I just remember that line being used sometimes. 
That's a good one. And it's very telling of the time it came out. <laughs> okay. And then the last one we had is a weird one because in this it's titled Step Kids and it's about a kid who divorced family moving in with each other and there's just a whole bunch of kids. And then it got retitled, right? Yeah, it was retitled to Big Girls Don't Cry, dot, 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 they get even. I had never heard of this one. So I always looked for this one in the rental store. Uh, and I'd walk around with a list. I think I've mentioned this in the past. I was one of those kids who would write stuff down on a list of trailers that we saw so I could look for them, you know, renting on a Friday night. I could never find this one because I was always walking around looking for stepkids. But I probably couldn't find it and neither could the clerk or whoever I asked for help because it was retitled and no one knew. And then it seemingly must have gotten buried because I also haven't really heard of anything of it since. It does appear like a DVD did come out at some point of it because there's an Amazon listing for it. But like just no fanfare for it. No real, you know, I don't see this one in stores ever. Like, you know what I mean? This one just sort of weirdly got buried in plain sight you know what i mean <laughs> i've always wanted to see it just because i saw it so many times the trailer plays so many times before watching secret of the ooze hopefully someday we just accidentally come across it and we could do it on here <laughs> you get to finally see it feature presentation time and now our feature presentation this movie starts off with more pizza eating than i think any movie in the history of filmmaking. Yeah, if you're, if you're not sure what movie you stumbled into in the movie theater, uh, you know pretty quickly by, yeah, just the absurd amount of pizza eating that is taking place in this opening scene. <laughs> yeah, and I always expected pizzas to be this cheesy, and they're not. Some are, but mostly not. I went to a film festival in Arkansas, and it was in, oh God, where was it at? Hot Springs, Arkansas. And there's a place called Rod's Pizza that has pizza that I swear to God looks like this. Like the super cheesy kind of cartoon pizza in real life. Rod's Pizza in Hot Springs, Arkansas. <laughs> I mean, it's in Arkansas, so who's ever going to eat it except people who happen to stumble upon a film festival in Arkansas or live in Arkansas? Yes, exactly. But I'm telling the people, in case there's any listeners that are close to it, if you want this kind of cartoon pizza in real life, Rod's Pizza, Hot Springs, do it. <laughs> Go Rod's in Arkansas. <laughs> uh, I hope we have like a couple listeners in Arkansas. They're like, oh. Yep, that place rules. <laughs> oh, you haven't lived until you've been to Rod's. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> okay, so let's start to break this film down. So our opening, uh, we get to see Kino right away. And he's a 90s smart aleck. We get it. But he's also, he know, also knows karate. Good, relatable, though, kid for, like, us kind of kid watchers. Yeah, he's likable. He's kind of an everyman, you know, for, like, little kids. Very good, relatable perspective for little kids watching this movie. I understand that a lot of people didn't like Kino. They thought he was annoying and kind of the sidekick that didn't quite work out. You know, the sidekick kids can relate to, like you said, the <laughs> the every kid, sort of. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many kids knew karate like him, but I get your point. <laughs> Everything but the karate, just like, you know, the 90s language and stuff like that. Yeah, I didn't find him as annoying as an adult that I've read. Man, some people really 
hate this character. I don't, yeah, I don't think he's annoying at all. I think he's a little annoying, but not in the character. It's because of, you know, like what they're trying to do with the toy commercial that is a movie. But it didn't work out so well. But I really think Golden Harvest and New Line thought they had a huge new action star with Ernie Reyes Jr. Well, we know he's in some more stuff with New Line after this. So he he works. Yeah, he worked. He still works. Uh, he's just behind the scenes. Occasionally he pops up as a character in a film, but not many. He's talented too, man. He's He's good. He's a good martial artist. Yeah, him and his dad were really good. So I just think they really thought they had a new star and they were sick of him in a hot commodity and they needed to replace Casey Jones. No Casey Jones in this one. Odd. <laughs> Almost every fan I know was disappointed in that. And that might also be part of the annoyance of Kino is you're trying to replace one of the most popular side characters in any children's action film. Plain and simple. You're trying to fill some big hockey skates. <laughs> it's a bit, it's quite a bit different from Casey Jones, for sure. And his, his appearances, it's not really discussed much or anything like that. He's just, he's not there. Plus on top of it then too, you've got New April as well. So things feel different. Yeah, there are a lot of changes that are kind of just... When we were in the theater, it was a little jarring because you had a New April. So that was a little confusing. Casey Jones never showed up. And you had, you know, the Shredder as the bad guy again, which is fine. But then when we get farther along in this film, the new mutations that come was also jarring. There was a lot of jarring things in this film. But what this film did well was it is so rock and roll slash rap constantly. It's just like kids never get a chance to relax. It's just an entire smooth ride for a child. It's just action little bit of story, action, little bit of story, rap, super shredder, you know, like all this shit coming at you. And it was just like when we left the theater, like, well, that was the greatest Turtles movie of all time because we have a short memory. <laughs> it's like Pop Rocks, the movie, you know, like it's just like a lot of a lot of sugar, a lot of energy. You know, it's very it's that early 90s kind of aesthetic that, you know, with the constant pumping music. It's a short, it's a breezily paced movie. Like, yeah. And like you said, the action never stops when you're like a kid. Like you're you're invested the whole time. Yeah, but when you're an adult and I'm, I'm watching it now, there are definitely some things where I'm like, wow, this is like Three Stooges level fighting. I don't hate it. I just don't like it as much as the first as an adult. As a kid, I didn't care. It was awesome. And that's who this movie's for. But, you know, 30 years later, I don't like it as much. The whole Three Stooges goofy sound effects when they punch someone. And of course, basically just ripping the weapons right out of their hands or throwing your swords into the roof so you can use it to kick someone in the face. Tamer a little bit in that regard, more cartoony in the fighting style as well. You still have that kind of golden harvest, like there's technique in the in the fighting and stuff like that for sure like it's good martial arts but yeah not nearly as violent as what we were used to with the first one yeah and that's part of why you know the original creators eastman and laird basically pulled out of this film we'll explain a lot of the changes in this and even talk about some of the scripts at the end but that's why you're seeing this i mean eastman and laird weren't even happy with the punch-up of the first one 
because of what they created. Now, that's never going to work. This is a toy commercial, so you can't have, you know, like turtles killing the Shredder. Actually, Casey Jones killed the Shredder. Well, at least we thought. This one was just too far into the goofiness, and Eastman and Laird's like, yeah, we're out, and you can't use Bebop and Rocksteady. As Chase, my friend Chase said at the movie night when we watched this, we get rock sturdy and Beboop in this one so, <laughs> with uh, Taka and Razor. <laughs> rock sturdy and Beboop. <laughs> Amazing. Those are funny. He's uh, <laughs> That's like perfect Mad TV names for him, I guess you could say. <laughs> or like knockoffs you see at the grocery store and packages that are different from, you know, yeah. like... Uh, <laughs> Teen yeared, <laughs> altered, <laughs> martial artist, tortoises. <laughs> yeah. Or as uh, Europe called them, teenage mutant hero turtles. Yes. <laughs> because for some reason, Europe really hated the name Ninja. And that's actually in this film why uh, Michelangelo doesn't use nunchucks is because they're not allowed in Europe. So he uses salamis and they still cut that out. So funny. <laughs> oh, Europe. You're wacky. Except France. They probably didn't give a shit. I mean, they do such extreme stuff, but the rest of them are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Fighting? No, 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 no. We can't do that. But they'll stick rape in every fucking movie. <laughs> but not in this kid's film. Not, yeah. uh, no fighting with salamis in this. <laughs> now, one of the changes that happens in the movie that I do like is April. I don't think this April is better, but I do think she does. And I'm not I am not even saying that I think the first one is the best either. I think they're both different Aprils, but I do think this one does bring uh, a live action version of kind of cartoon April to life a little bit here. And I think she does a good job. Yeah, I think the only thing I was confused about is why her hair was long and how she moved into a luxury apartment so fast, because the timeline in this film is odd. Yeah, they're like, oh, we just killed Shredder. It's over. We're good. <laughs> and then, yeah, we've got new April at a new place. <laughs> yeah, I would love to hear the explanation of that. Like, OK, so she got a big raise. I get it. But did she buy a luxury apartment that was fully furnished? How does this work? <laughs> because the Shredder pops out of the dumpster pile. And so this means like what? L let's give it, I don't know. Two days. Let's say he passed out for two days in the garbage. I don't know how the trash compactor didn't kill him or that uh, no one noticed that they dumped a human body out of there. But hey, you know, it happens. Who knows? Maybe it happens. I don't know. It's uh, New York. I just assume, you know, <laughs> like nobody, nobody gives a shit. If you ended up in the, if you ended up in the trash compactor in New York, that's on you, brother. Don't don't do that. <laughs> We're not going to check on you. <laughs> So we get the return of the Foot Clan. Yeah, so Tatsu's back at the secret lair and he's going to be the new leader. But then Shredder immediately walks in and gives this speech of revenge. Choose the best man from those that remain to follow the reporter. She is the key to finding the creatures that did this to me. Yes, master. Next, master. We rebuild the Foot? No. There is only one thing next. Revenge. I got a pro and con for this scene. The pro is when you see Shredder's mangled costume, it is the original maroon costume that was more inspired from the comic book. 
and it's all torn up. Uh, all the spikes on his armor bent and everything. So that was really cool. I, I did not notice that until rewatching this. I was like, hey, it's his maroon costume. But then he switches to a new look and you see some differences. One, the suit's purple, which is more inspired by the colors of the cartoon. Again, I understand that. I get it. I think this makes sense. But that helmet is so comically huge. I'm switched from you. I prefer new Shredder. I like this Shredder more. Uh, but it, yeah, it's the it's the more is more thing. I like, you know, I like that it's kind of over the top here. And then we get him to get turn into Super Shredder at the end. And that, yeah, I like all that. I like the way his outfit morphs when he turns into Kevin Nash at the end. <laughs> Shredder 90 will always be my Shredder. <laughs> Other than Super Shredder's kind of on its own tier. Because that toy was amazing. I want to say I had that toy, even though I didn't really have a lot of the Turtles toys because I wasn't super into the franchise. But I do think I had a Super Shredder because I was like, well, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> I always remember the Toka and Razar toys. We never had Razar. We never had the wolf. But we had Toka. But what was weird about it is the Turtles already had a Snapping Turtle villain out that wasn't Toka. At least I remember that. I might be making that up. There's too many toys. I believe there's 3,012 toys. That's a, that's a real number. I, no, it's not really. <laughs> Don't look that up. <laughs> there's just a shit ton of toys. I uh, You talked about it in the last episode. In, in catching up uh, in doing this episode, I did watch the Toys That Made Us, the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode, and they do mention a thing where they were like, oh, we had a new monster every month <laughs> for years. That's why I laugh when people are putting, now that, you know, Turtles have reached 30 years, they've had, you know, all these cartoons, everything come out. When I see someone trying to sell a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toy for like, hundred dollars you're like why unless it's in pristine condition in the original package no fucking way there's a million of each toy out there more than <laughs> a million you got to be kidding me any version of just the turtles themselves too because how many toys are there that are just the turtles with like a different helmet or a different like weapon but it's the same turtle toy that's in every package <laughs> i remember back in the day uh this one guy offered me it i think he said I'll sell you 50 Turtles toys, all, you know, like as many weapons as I, I think, maybe all of them. This guy was literally going to sell me 50 toys for $50. And I said, no, no, I don't want that shit. Are you kidding me? Oh, there's so many of them in the uh, garbage, you know, just trash compactor of life. No. Yet here we are collecting VHSs and talking about them. So I guess that guy wins in the end anyway. <laughs> he might win now because he could probably sell that for a lot more because of COVID. But, you know, COVID's going to end. Everyone's, <laughs> you know, most people are going to get these vaccinations. And I guarantee you, you and I are going to go to some of these flea markets and whatever uh, soon. And people are going to be like trying to peddle us all this crap at the same COVID price. And no one's going to buy it like the fuck are you talking about <laughs> none of this shit that you just compiled during covid is going to sell not much of it and then you and i will take advantage of buying more junk about six months down the line where they're where they're really desperate yeah the closeout prices yeah <laughs> well, i can't believe no one bought all these ninja turtle toys well that's because there's a billion and everyone has collections of a billion of them <laughs> uh yeah and all those collectors are like i don't know i got like 25 leonardos i'll i'll sell you 10 for a dollar 
Just please take them. My wife is going to kill me. <laughs> no, I will not help you out, brother. We already have too much plastic, right? Now. Yeah. <laughs> How about the splinter line that made us all laugh as kids? Do you know what I'm talking about? Coming to a decision. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Uh, where's Splinter? He's been up on the roof ever since he saw your report. Really? Doing what? Coming <gasps> to a decision. Little break right there between coming and to a decision when they go to the roof to learn the secret of the ooze, which they actually don't learn the secret. They just learn that TGRI, which April did a report on, is on the canister. And then they go looking for, you know, kind of like more of the story of their origin. And I noticed in this one, they're trying to give Donatello like a struggle with how they are an accident. No grand picture here. Yeah, you happen to be four turtles and a rat that like crawled through this mutational ooze. That's it. What I like about this one, though, that is a scripting decision that I think they went in the right way is that we don't see like this is not, this doesn't become one of the turtles wants to break away. And then the whole duration of the movie is them fighting. And then they finally come together at the end, which I think is one direction they could have went with this Donatello story. And then also we don't have them struggling with like being turtles and like going, wanting to go back to being human or going back to be turtles, you know, however, however the science would map out or whatever, if they, went that way i feel like those two are kind of easy script routes that they could have gone with the turtles here and i like the fact that they don't fully go down that route yeah we have kind of donatello struggling with some things but we don't have so much of the drama about like will they won't they with the turtles and i'm glad they didn't go that route because that would have been the really easy way to go with this they wanted to do more with donatello in this and I think a lot of that had to do with the popularity of Corey Feldman's voice in the first movie. His character was supposed to be struggling more. Uh, I don't know. He's just searching for more in his life. And they were going to go down that route. But because Corey Feldman was in drug rehab at the time and they couldn't get him for the voice or they didn't want to take the risk, even though he was incredibly cheap in the first one, I found out he only made $15,000. Fifteen hundred dollars. Oh, fifteen hundred. It's even. Oh, wow. Fifteen hundred. Yeah, he made fifteen hundred dollars because he thought it was going to go direct to video. It was just going to be a small thing. He had no idea. So he was like, yeah, I'll do it for fifteen hundred dollars. That even seems low for like, let's say this was the first one was done like eighty nine came out in ninety. That seems really low. I I really think the expectations were that low for the first movie. whoops yeah and then he couldn't come back for this so i think they toned down donatello's struggle with you know the crisis of his origin they toned it down they left a little bit there's a little bit of hints in it of course and then of course they got him playing with computers when they break into tgri i will admit the tgri fights actually i think all the fight choreography is still top notch in this i mean it's incredible what they pull off i mean and now it's all bare knuckle fighting I guess you could say it's all kicks and punches now that they've basically taken away all their weapons. I think Donatello uses his staff, you know, to like aid in the fight, but he doesn't actually strike anyone in the face. Yeah, I agree with you. The fights are really good. And I, I, another thing I want to point out with the fights is that the suits 
look really, really good in this, especially, yeah, when they're fighting. I don't want to necessarily say better than the first one, but it definitely at least matched with the first one in terms of just like really high quality puppetry and animatronics and like breathable suits that they can fight in. Yeah, they look great. They, they improved it a little bit. They even improved the neckline that I talked about in the first one. So this movie looks better in HD than the first one. I will admit that. Uh, that's definite because the suits have improved. Like you said, they can move around. Uh, they have more flexibility. You can tell they, the Jim Henson studio improved them. Yeah, and they, they look really good and they hold up today too. Like I don't think a kid watching this in 2021 is going to think, oh, that looks fake or shitty. I feel like a kid today would still think that that looks like a real Ninja Turtle, you know? Yeah, Kevin Clash also comes back to do the puppeteering and the voice of Splinter. And the Splinter costume has improved. It was really good in the first one. This one, they just knock it out of the ballpark. He doesn't do as much. I think is because they want to more concentrate on the crisis of the origin, the secret of the ooze and all this. I think the movie kind of then drops that after Toka and Razar come into the movie, which is disappointing as an adult. As a kid, I never even noticed that's probably the point, right? You know, like keep the kids interested. Here's some, here's a junkyard fight scene or whatever with the, uh, <laughs> with the two new monsters. Yeah. And this is when it really breaks off and it, it pissed off Eastman and Laird because Eastman and Laird gave them an outline where it was much different. We were supposed to have Baxter Stockman in this film. We were supposed to have Bebop and Rocksteady and we were supposed to be introduced to basically Dimension X praying for the third film and the, like dinosaur aliens, uh, triceracons. I can't remember what they're called. But all of this was supposed to turn into a much bigger two-part film. Eastman and Laird had it all, you know, worked out. Here's do this in the second one. This is why. Here's the third. And I think New Line actually agreed that that was a better story. But they had so much conflict. One, they didn't want to confuse children with aliens. Because they didn't want everyone to think that the turtles were aliens. And I sort of get that. But at the same time, we're kids. Let us watch the film adaptation, you know, a cartoon version of it. The cartoon was crazy, but we still understood that these dinosaur things were aliens. We get it. And the turtles aren't aliens. Respect your audience a little more. They'll be able to put it together. <laughs> like, I don't think they were going to be confused. We already have mutant ninja turtles. I don't think aliens or dinosaurs are going to throw us. <laughs> yeah, and because Eastman and Laird hated the direction that the second film was going, they basically said, you can't use any of our characters. You're going to... They really... Eastman and Laird thought that this movie was going to ruin their franchise. So they said, you know, let's work something out. New lines like, please let us use these characters. So then they ended up turning Baxter Stockman into Professor Jordan Perry. Now, in the original outline, it became, you know, it turned into this character. Then they were going to have him actually be the bad guy. But Jordan Perry was going to be an alien. But then they dropped that. So then he just became a scientist that was just doing good. That's it. A very kind of dull character. And I know David Warner like had a lot of fun in this movie, but he was also very disappointed in what his character turned into because he was supposed to be Baxter Stockman. He was supposed to be a fly man. Then he was supposed to be a bad guy who was actually an alien. And then it just turned into like, oh, yeah, you're just a vanilla scientist. You're just a good guy that helps the turtles. <laughs> 
I heard him say, or no, no, I read an interview that he's like, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this movie, but I expected a lot more out of the character. And I was supposed to be in two films. One of, one of the things that I think is so funny about this original planned thing with Stockman and Rocksteady, Bebop and Kerrang, it sounds like this plot that was written out for this movie is exactly what they made into Out of the Shadows, which is the 2016 or 17 sequel to the Michael Bay reboot. Uh, it's It sounds like they lifted this plot exactly for that movie. It sounds like I still haven't seen it. Uh, I will visit it <laughs> eventually and maybe tell all the uh, fans later on what I felt about it. But yeah, it sounds like what you described and texted me. That's probably what happened. Yeah, it sounds like they lifted it exactly, which is hilarious because it's the second movie. It's like they finally got to do their part two the way they wanted to do it. And I really I liked Out of Their Shadows a lot more than the original Michael Bay reboot one uh, because it feels like a 90s movie. And it's probably because they were going off of like a 90s outline for them <laughs> for the script. And I also think that Eastman and Laird were consultants for Nickelodeon on a lot of the cartoons and maybe possibly some of the movies, maybe the second one, even more than the first one. It definitely feels and sounds like the second one they were more involved with, more like both the comic books, the toys, the 80s show, the 90s movies. Like it feels more in line with those than the first reboot did. I've always wondered why Eastman and Laird were cool with the 87 cartoon series, but not number two, Secret of the Ooze. Maybe it was just the first big checks that they were getting from the 87 cartoon and toys. Also, too, the first movie was closer to their comic books, and they probably just were hoping that the second movie would do the same. You know, the first movie acted really well as a bridge between the comics and the cartoon. It had a little bit of elements of both, and I'm sure they were kind of disappointed that some of that darkness was lost in the second one. Probably. Their baby just felt like it was, I don't know, put through the meat grinder, the like corporation meat grinder, and the cartoon at this point in 91 Really, I think like season four is when it just went crazy. And then, you know, they're coming out with a new bad guy every month. This was like the height of saturation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles world. I think was 91, I'm going to say. Because at this point, you know, we had an arcade game. We had two NES games. But I think the second NES game was the arcade game. Yeah, it was. And then, like, we had some Game Boy games. We had those Tigers handheld games. There was board games. It was nuts. Yeah, they were everywhere. And it worked, I think, in favor for this movie. But I just think then kind of after this movie, interest is just going to start to fade naturally. Then it's like you hit your peak. You can only kind of go down then from here. And I feel like right after this movie is sort of when interest just started to kind of fade. And I think it's evident and we'll talk about it, but I think it's evident by the time we get to the third movie, which is only made a year after this one. Yeah, I I would say I would more go with like it started to plateau in 92 and 93. And we'll talk about it more in, in, you know, the third movie. And then interest really faded after the third movie. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a full bomb, though. They just, you know, got to a point where they definitely jumped the shark. And it's just like anything, you know, like a film series. It just it runs out of steam and a film series franchise, whatever. They have a natural life. 
and eventually you, you can't ride the high forever. And in a lot of ways, the Turtles have survived a ton because they keep getting rebooted and they keep getting new shows and they all they keep selling new toys and things. It's still popular for future generations. But that original wave is gone. And that's just a natural thing that's going to happen. And, mm-hmm. you you know, you hit your peak, you know, that's it. <laughs> you, you, there's no more going up from there. So I, I think they, it was just the natural cycle. Let's get to one of the most talked about scenes in this film, Ninja Rap. This is what the majority of people remember from this film. The turtles bust into a dock concert. I don't quite know what, you know, what this is. They then fight Token Razar while Vanilla Ice, Vanilla Ice is inventing the ninja rap song on on the stage. Go ninja, go ninja, go. <laughs> and this scene is so filled with so much because one, you have a building that's like a high-rise concrete garage. I don't know what the fuck that was, but they, you know, give Token Razar donuts that Donatello and Professor Perry put together and then put ice cubes and donuts and they feed them. And then they bust into this club. And there are extras in this that crack me up to this day. And the one is the couple where it's like hat guy and 90s girl almost like sarah jessica parker from girls just want to have fun like are sitting there like oh my gosh look at this this is amazing they're fighting and then michelangelo starts flirting with the girl at one point that whole little dynamic between the turtles and those extras i love yeah the extras the music vanilla ice the fighting the monsters this is like peak early 90s more is more just like throwing everything in the kitchen sink at you for this finale here because then immediately after this is like the super shredder scene and the finale with shredder and everything and it's just like it's a lot in it but it's like this overstimulation and i feel like for yeah like a kid you're like oh my god i'm high on this right now Even the like club owner, whatever he is, where he's just like, oh, my God, did you hire these backup dancers? Call the cops. Why are you calling the cops? They like them. Oh, these extras. This whole 10 minute scene is like a different movie. You're on such a constant high and overstimulation that the rest of the film as a kid, I kind of just like would go through the motions (laughs) to get to this. Yeah, this is the this is the drug. This is the this is the fix. (laughs) <laughs> of all like of all the candy colors and sounds and fighting and everything you can want make, mixed in here. And then at the end you get Super Shredder, which is still to this day the scene that has a perfect mixture of amazingness and disappointment. Yeah, here comes Super Shredder. Oh my god, that's the coolest thing ever. Oh my god, it's crazy. Up oh, the building fell on and that's it. <laughs> it was always the thing that pissed most of the kids off in the whole playground. All of us wanted to see him fight Super Shredder. And I don't even know if Super Shredder was part of the original script. Or I think they actually added it on right before they started um, shooting. So the suit looks a lot better in the film. Yeah, the suit doesn't look that good on Kevin Nash when you see him 
outside of the movie because you realize it's just tights. It's not, you know, like you thought that was all rippling muscle underneath and stuff. It's just tights painted on muscle. I mean, he's huge, but they needed a humongous man to obviously like tower over the turtles and to wear like the hundred pounds of gear, all that rubber. I, I think they said it weighed over a hundred pounds and the turtle suits, I think they got down to around 65 pounds compared to the first movie, which is around 80 pounds. Well, then, yeah, you definitely need a wrestler then in there to hold it. So, yeah, that's why you go with uh, Kevin Nash or Diesel if you're nasty. Kevin Nash. What a character. <laughs> I really like him when he shows up in any film. He's just got this like cool, sarcastic like personality. He's funny. He's a really funny dude. And yeah, I see him show up in like indie comedies now. And I'm like so glad he's still working because he dude cracks me up. Yeah, I'm saying like he can play a side character really well. And I hope people now that he's gotten his uh, his like knee and his hip fixed. I hope he's in more movies. I think he will be. <laughs> I think he will be. And I think and I'm excited for it because I think he's great. He's got great charisma and he's hilarious. So more Kevin Nash, please. Yes. Did you hear all that? Hollywood. Put Kevin Nash in little side roles. We want to see him. I don't know. In a smoky bar. And he's the man that knows all the information for some reason. And he's also got the little cool lines. Kind of like think Jamie Foxx when he was in Horrible Bosses. Yeah. I want to see Kevin Nash in that role. I think he'd be hilarious. Exactly. Get on it. Well, now that we said it, we'll get it. Yeah, (laughs) it'll happen. We're going to read a news article tomorrow about it. (laughs) Yeah. The actor who plays Danny got a NECA character you know a toy made for him and and that's basically because of us we've mentioned danny in the last episode and now they're now he's getting an action figure like and one part of me is like that's absolutely ridiculous what timeline are we in how crazy is that but on the other half i'm like how excited is that actor probably to finally get an action figure (laughs) so i'm happy for him Oh, yeah, he's stoked and it will sell like hotcakes, like all these toys that they do. But I guarantee you in five years, that's going to be the one where people are like, "Ah, do I really need to spend $60 on a Danny action figure? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like one of those weird things. I I got a uh, like a limited collector's edition action figure of Keith Richards from the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And it was like a rare thing or whatever. And then when I was going through all and selling all my toys 10 years after that movie came out or whatever, uh, nobody wanted to buy the thing. (laughs) Nobody gave a shit anymore. (laughs) Exactly. That's my point. (laughs) Only the people who want to finish their collection will buy it. And that's when you got to take advantage of them. You're like, well, it was limited. There's not many of them. But the normies who like go to all this shit. No, they'll never buy that. So should we get into the museum? Let's do it. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out in the film jungle like Indy and we bring something back. This is another wing in our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, portion of the museum. Hell, it's our franchise wing of the museum where we're walking through all these franchises. What do you got for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze? You know, I'm going to put something in. This is very simple, but it is the hook that got me into this movie as a kid. 
uh, I'm going to put the ooze and then the uses of the ooze and, and my portion of the wing. Uh, I love the way just the ooze itself looks in sort of the marketing and in the movie. And then I love like the little uh, potions that Dr. Perry puts together and stuff with it. I loved stuff like this as a kid. I still kind of have that feeling when I uh, or where it makes me feel like a kid again when I see it in this movie. I love the ooze and I love what the ooze does. So the secret of the use is that the use is the best part. And that's what's going in the museum for me. Was there a little part of you disappointed that someone didn't get slimed like they do in Nickelodeon? I would have loved to have seen like sort of like a freaked turn of somebody where like they, yeah, they get like the ooze dumped on them and then they morph into some kind of creature that would have taken it to the next level. And this would probably then be one of my favorite movies if that happened. <laughs> uh, mine's a little bit of a lump of coal. Uh, I do love this film as a kid, and I think it's pretty damn good as an adult. Not as good as the first, but uh, you really need to have more respect for for your your kid audience. Like, don't think that we're dumb and we can't handle like Baxter Stockman and you know all this weirdness. Of course we can. We're already handling four giant walking, talking turtles and a rat. Why can't we handle a fly man? Why can't we handle aliens? Why can't we handle Dimension X? This movie was supposed to end on them entering Dimension X while aliens are trying to take over the Earth. That would have been amazing. Yeah. That w- imagine just like 1991, this era version of like a Kerrang and how cool it would look. I wonder if they were just terrified of how much money that would cost. Probably. (laughs) I'm sure that would have been very expensive at this time to do. And these still were independent movies. Golden Harvest was not one of the big players at the time. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't I mean, they still increase the budget by around $10 million. I don't think the problem would have been getting private investors and banks and everything to give them the loans to make like a $40 million film. I think it was fear that this was a fad and it was going to die soon. And that's probably why you get it the release a year later, too. And you, how are you going to do Kerrang! and uh, Dimension X in, you know, probably a six month turnaround that this movie probably had? I like this one just as much as I like the first one uh, for different reasons. They're apples and oranges to me. I can't really compare. I can't say like, oh, I like the cartoony version of this more or the darkness of the first one more. I like them both, and I like them both for the different things they're doing. Uh, so I still, you know, I, I, again, I'm disappointed we couldn't have seen more, but for what we did get, I still really like this movie. Yeah, I really like this movie too, but I love the first one. I think that's the massive difference. Now, next week is a whole different story with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. I don't really want to say much about it. We'll just wait till next week. Goodbye, everyone. Haley Piper, Patrick Lacey, S.E. Howard, Waylon Jordan, and Jeremy Herbert. Five acclaimed authors of horror and dark fiction. Their twisted tales appeared in the acclaimed horror anthology Worst Laid Plans from Grindhouse Press. Now, their tales of vacation terror are coming to the big screen in a feature film adaptation from Genre Blast Films. Five acclaimed genre filmmakers will bring these stories to life. Samantha Koyesnik, John Hale, Vanessa Yonta Wright, Michael Escobedo, and Jeremy Herbert. Worst Laid Plans. 
now crowdfunding on Indiegogo. This is one vacation you'll be dying to take. 